You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another Audacious Leadership Session. My name's Paul Reed, uh, part of the team here at Audacious Church, and I am joined by the senior pastor of Audacious, Pastor Glyn Hello Barrett. everybody, hello. We're going to spend some time together now talking about a really important theme called multiplying, multiplying yourself in others. Um, and uh, let's get stuck into it. Do you want to just um, share with everybody uh, that thought you was sharing with me about from from 2 Timothy about yeah. this whole subject well you know I think it's really important in the process of salvation and multiplying or if you like discipleship um, several things are, are important to remember from you know from from the start the first thing God actually said to Adam and Eve was to to go and multiply so multiplication is is in essence in the foundations of the DNA of humanity and, um, and so any, any concept, any time the church or, or anyone talks about increase, about growth, it is, it is actually what we are wired for. And in Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of the Bible, it's really putting in there the whole, the whole framework for that. You increase through multiplication. So therefore, really, in Genesis chapter 1, God said to Adam and Eve, multiply yourself. And so I think that that's what we're continuing to do. There's a, there's a, a natural reproduction there's a spiritual reproduction, a physical reproduction, and I think all these sorts of things come into play. I think when it comes to the salvation process, it's really important for us to remember that we don't save anyone. It's really important to remember that, that God saves. We're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we access that through faith. So that is absolutely integral. Prior to salvation, though, so before that, we have to go and get people. So Jesus says, go is what he says. He says, go. So when we do the going and we do the reaching out to people, he does the saving. And then Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. And so we have go, you and I go, he saves, we make disciples. Or if you like, we come into this place of, of multiplication. So we're multiplying ourselves. There's a brilliant verse in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, where Paul is speaking to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, what you have heard me say, I want you also to entrust into others so that they can teach others the same thing. So what we really have there is we have, in a sense, three generations, Paul, Timothy, to others, and then to others again. So almost four generations of, of increase and multiplication. And it is, in, in a sense, uh, this compounding effect that if one person can tell two, two can tell four, four can tell eight, and of course, the statistics are there somewhere to be found that if we all did that in terms of salvation, reaching out to people, people getting saved, then in the space of a matter of a few years, the whole planet could turn to Jesus if we just learned effectively how to multiply ourselves. So with this concept, essentially growth is um, possible. Yeah. Um, a, a command, would you say? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Okay. Go and make disciples. So but it'd be worth also saying in the context that, that, that you're leading, you know, go back to what you said, growth is possible. And I think that is a really important thing for us to, to pause on for a moment because often when we're up against obstacles and challenges, difficulties, um, historically a recession, 
different things that take place. We can become conditioned by the circumstances, uh, you know, the situation around us, the environment, and things become more difficult to believe for. But, like you said, growth is possible. Genesis chapter one, it's right there in the beginning, multiply yourself. So whatever the conditions, whatever the season, whatever you see around you, growth is possible. Go back to what you said. Okay, so uh, I've changed my mind on this, the word for the second one. So yeah. growth is possible. Growth is an expectation. Mm-hmm. Command sounds a little bit too military, but like it's, it's an ex- like we should expect things to grow. Yeah. You know, people, I guess, misquoting verses like, you know, don't despise the day of small things and then using that as an excuse to remain small. Yeah. Well, actually, no, there's an expectation that things grow. It's a sign of health. Um, but I'm leading to this point is to say that everything you've described actually makes it sound that growth is actually simple. Mm. Not easy, because there's a difference between simple and easy. Yeah. But, um, but it is quite simple. Yeah, we're wired for it. I think you don't have to tell a baby to grow. Yeah. Um, and you can't tell a baby to stop growing. They just do. And I remember when my kids were little, when they were in those different cute stages, you almost wouldn't want them to go from, from one stage to the yeah. next because they were just perfect the way they were. And it doesn't matter what I did as my, my son and my daughter grew up, I try to push them down. But growth is we're, we're hardwired for it. And we're uncomfortable when we don't grow. I think that's important. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, let's talk about that for a minute because um, one of the things I was gonna ask you about or, or highlight is that um, certainly within um, the context of the church, discipleship or development of any kind, um, in some arenas, um, is uh, you are pursued. So when you're new to faith, the church is like, oh, let me teach you how to, you know, what to read and let me just hold your hand through this process. If you're not new to faith, but you're just new to the church, we're like, you know, this is who we are. This is what we value. We do things this way. Um, and even just when you're young, you know, when you're, when you're a teenager or, or even a young adult, there's a certain um, amount of pursuit yeah externally to you that's appropriate we've both got teenage sons and we know that uh if we didn't pursue them in some way they were just completely left to their own devices it would be a disaster it's appropriate to pursue them but i guess uh many of the people um joining us in this conversation um could not be teenagers or, or young adults where you know a program or a structure facilitates the pursuit of them they're not new to faith and they're not new to to the church what does actually discipleship development look like um and i think you kind of alluded to it when you were saying the change from mum and dad being the people that are multiplying themselves in you through to someone like pastor russell because it was the way he described it was different what do you do if you're let's just pick an age post 25 um and not new to faith what what can we how can we help people who want to grow but their the structure doesn't force it on them yeah i mean that's a brilliant question paul i think that sometimes what uh people may get frustrated with in their adult years is the lack of fathering and, and sometimes I think, which is why I, in my analysis a moment ago, talked about my mum and my dad and then Pastor Russell. I'm not actually expecting Pastor Russell to be my father. He can't be. I've only got one dad. And I think that certainly in a, 
in a day and age where it would appear that many people grow up without a strong fathering influence in their lives. There can be, in a sense, in a yearning for discipleship and mentoring in 20s and 30s and 40s, people are looking for a, a father, something that they didn't have in, in their child and teen, teenage years. Um, I don't necessarily think that mentoring is, is being a father in the same way my dad was, was my dad. I think that when we're reaching those ages, the 20s, the 30s and 40s, there's several things come into play. Firstly, we have to take responsibility for our own lives. Um, you know, if you in your adult years need somebody to check up on your, your prayer life, your Bible reading, uh, I think that's really Christianity 101. You know, I think really at this stage, if you've been a Christian for a few years, we should be really learning to work out those things. Um, in Philippians chapter 2, it says we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And that doesn't mean we've got to work our way to be saved. It's saying that everything God's put in, you've now got to put into practice. So I think that um, one of the frustrations that sometimes people feel is literally they're not, they're not putting into practice the simple things that they know. So we read the Bible. We pray. We come to church. We tithe. We get on team and serve and volunteer to the church community. Five things which are so simple. And yet it's, it's through doing those five things faithfully that I think we begin to grow. We begin to have opportunity to experience God in a new way, to encounter new things, and then develop what is really crucial in, in discipleship, which is um, relationships. I, I, I'm genuinely convinced that the best form of discipleship is not when I go to somebody and say, uh, could you be my mentor? Could you be my disciple? Um, could you be my discipler? That never happened with Pastor Russell. That never happened with my previous pastor. Certainly didn't happen with my dad. It's just that I put myself relationally in an environment and in a context whereby the issues of my life actually naturally came up in conversations and they were able to be addressed. And without me finding an excuse. So if somebody who uh, I'm in relationship with who's saying, Glenn, I, I really think that this is a problem in your life or here's an area that, that you need to think about, instead of me pushing back to say, oh, thanks for your input, I'm, I'm going to look at that and see how I can outwork that in, in my life, um, I think that's really important. I've certainly found that whenever in relationship I've been in a discipling role to someone, uh, usually more organic than structured, and I think we're going to come to that in a moment, if I found the space and the opportunity to say, hey, let me use you as an example, Paul. Paul, I really just want to talk about this area of your life. If I find a de defensiveness, a hostility, um, even a hardness of heart, uh, I would back away very quickly from that and just say, this guy doesn't want to be in a relationship, this, a discipleship-based relationship. I'm not going to pursue it um, because I genuinely just think that discipleship is something that people should pursue upwards. And the only way that can happen, I think, is by doing the basic things well. Come to church, to worship God, to tithe, to be on team, you know, to do these things faithfully creates the context and the opportunity for relationships to grow and then to not make the mistake 
of thinking that mateship is mateship. Actually, sometimes mateship is discipleship. And we've got to create space to allow the right people to speak into our lives in, those context, in that context. So I'm 40, you know, I'm in my 40s. I'm, I'm not 12. I don't need you asking me questions about the sort of questions you'd ask a 15-year-old. It's a different day and age. Okay, so to summarise, the pursuit has to change. There yeah. comes a point in your life, and I don't know if it is an age. I think it's just a part of... <clears throat> You know, without being too patronising, it is part of growing up where you realise, oh, no one is pursuing me now and that's appropriate. So that isn't then, well, that's it, I've, I've graduated. No. It's that's when the pursuit has to change. And so I suppose the challenge for all the people that are joining us today is um, have you made that change? Have you, have you changed from being pursued to actually I'm going to pursue this myself? If, if I could make a generalised statement, not to offend anybody, but what I found is this, is usually when people say I'm not being discipled, several things have happened. Number one, they have built the walls of Jericho around their life. And so actually what they're doing is they're repelling any potential re- discipling relationship that could be because um, either they're not teachable or... Um, they feel like they're ready-made, uh, think of themselves more highly than they ought. Again, a generalised statement, but I've, I've found that to be the case at times. I think secondly, sometimes the, the relationship is not there or the discipleship's not taking place and people don't feel like they're being discipled because they genuinely don't want it. And in, in a moment of, of emotion or, or weakness or difficulty, they yearn for it, but never actually did the right things in order to build for that. So the relationship that I would have with somebody like a Pastor Russell has come through 17 years of me pursuing that relationship, which has meant that every year for 17 years, I've got on the plane twice a year to fly to the other side of the world to put myself in places and spaces whereby he was there. And then faithfully, every time he said to me, every time he said, Glenn, I think you should think about this. Every time... Every time he said, I think you need to change this. I can't think of one situation where um, I've not done the very thing that he has suggested because um, he sees a potential in me that is far bigger than my current performance. And so he's speaking into potential. And, um, and when I've stepped into it and obeyed it, it's encouraged him more to go, ah, oh, Glenn and Soph, they're not just hearers, but they're actually listening. They're putting things into practice. So that builds the relationship closer, which means I've got a greater trust to trust. I trust him more. I open my heart more to him. Okay, so what Pastor Glenn is saying is that the pursuit um, not only needs to change, but it, it, it is tangible. Mm. You, to say to the first question, yes, you know, I've changed that pursuit, but then not be able to point to anything in your life. Now, you don't have to get on a plane and fly to a another country but there's got to be something tangible where you can go all right I'm pursuing this development of myself and here's how yeah you know here's the relationships that I'm pursuing and here's how I'm doing that off. yeah who are you taking out for coffee you know if, if, if there is a relationship that you're looking at and going I would want that relationship to get closer a discipleship opportunity to get closer don't just look for a formal process I, I think sometimes the formality works against things um, I think just, you know, for example, if, it, if it's Pastor Paul here, you'd be saying, Paul, can I take you out for coffee sometime at your convenience? When, when would you be free, T? Um, you know, and, and to, to actually pursue it. 
and, and to be aware that actually it may be tough for a while, but that's okay. Hang in there. Hang in there. And also have a, have a, have a, a reasonable expectation of the level of relationship that you can build with somebody based on their lifestyle, your lifestyle. Um, I think sometimes when a, for example, a 16-year-old comes up to me in church and says, Pastor Glenn, will you mentor me? Probably what I would see that being would be doing church on the weekend, creating the opportunity for us to run a youth ministry on a Friday night, different things like that. But in terms of that 16-year-old sitting with me faithfully and regularly week in, week out, that's really not going to happen. So it's about changing expectations. All right, let's, let's flip it because that question was really um, helping us think as um, someone who's being developed Let's flip it now because this is a leadership podcast and that is an important part of leadership. But let's flip it to the other side, whereas in like we are the people who should be or who could be developing others. Um, you know, as the journey of Audacious Church has uh, continued to roll, um, you know, you've had other leaders that have come in around you, behind you. Um, h- how has that happened? Like, how have you ended up with the leaders that you've got and really like what are, are there any principles that uh, our people that are joining us they can do those principles too is it just the look of the lord <laughs> the roll of the dice I, I think a lot is to do with um your ability to be friendly uh, i think every relationship starts with just by being friendly um you know i i'm acutely aware that in order for our church to go to the next level again we need to increase our leadership base. We need to increase the amount of people who are excelling in their gifts, in their fields, in certain areas in the church. Um, so friendliness, I think, is being really, really important. Some people you know, can sit with their arms folded and say, well, I've got no friends, and you literally won't until you change your posture. So I think those sorts of things are, are really important. Uh, you know, it's really called chemistry. Um, and building with people who actually you, you connect with on a, on a friendship level, but more than that, on a, on, a, on a spirit connect. This whole concept that we talk about of resonance, where you get two pianos in the room, you play middle C on one piano, and the string, middle C string, vibrates on the other piano, it resonates. Nobody's touched that second piano, but it's resonating with the sound. So I genuinely think that in a leadership context, we're looking for that. We're looking for people that when they speak, something resonates in the spirit. Um, within your spirit, you know, and that could be a 16-year-old in our church, it could be a 25-year-old, it could be a 78-year-old, that while he and I or she and I are talking, something's moving on the inside. And I realise, man, these guys are in tune with who we are as a church, the DNA of the ministry and what we're about. And they're the relationships that I would then um, begin to lean into and, um, and create space, time and opportunity with them to see how they go in, in different stages of their development um, and create as many different opportunities for them as possible. Well, that leads me on to another question, actually, um, because we've recently done um, a strengths finding exercise as a team and uh, we read a book and did a test and put all of the um, results out on the, on the table and, and spent some time discussing um, our strength mix, for want of a better word. Um, I wondered if you um, look for, and I think you kind of alluded to it, but you look for people who are strong in areas where you're weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, a kind of way, it doesn't, it's not a system, 
But it's not just pure organic, you just see who you get along with. You see who you get along with, but also you're aware that there's a need for this or a need for that. Is that... Yeah, I, I would genuinely say that would be the case. I, I think the problem with um, our education system is this, is that we, we spend a lot of time and energy and focus with children on subjects that they're not excelling in. But I actually think that, that and studies would prove this, that actually the way to get the best out of a person is not to focus on their weakness, but actually strengthen their strengths. And so I think that for me, the, 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 really the goal for me is not to be better at what I'm weak in, but actually to find people who are strong where I'm weak. And um, there is actually a biblical principle in this. In our weakness, he is strong. And for, for me to focus in on my strength. So I think that, yeah, in leadership, in ministry, we have to be deliberate in making sure that the people who sit around the table compensate for areas that we're weak. And therefore, the, the beautiful mosaic of coming together creates a masterpiece. Um, otherwise, we just all end up being the same, thinking the same, talking the same, living the same, and we're lopsided instead of having this good momentum to what we do. Well, what an absolutely awesome conversation we've been having. Um, there have been many questions uh, that have been posed uh, while we've been talking. Uh, but there are questions that go along with this, um, with this conversation too that we're going to put out to you. So whatever context you're accessing this session, make sure that you get hold of the questions as well so that you can apply this stuff. Um, to your own life and the, this, this is the truth the potential of the application the potential fruit of the application of some of these principles is, uh, is mind-blowing yeah. and uh, just remember what we started this with which was um, the potential future of whatever it is you're leading is like intrinsically linked to your ability to multiply yourself develop others so that you can continue to grow and increase your reach and effectiveness and all that kind of stuff. It's so exciting to think about what could come from these sessions. Remember, growth and increase is coming. If you stay in the right place, you stay in the right environment, it will, it will come. Be patient, trust God.